Bolt your windows. Lock your doors. Check your closets. Look under your bed. And then, prepare yourself. For it's another episode of Dark Night of the Podcast. Whoa! Ladies and gentlemen, listeners and fans, new and old, uh, every once in a blue moon, life comes at you like a freight train, and it it throws something at you uh, that you're not prepared for, and you just got to roll with the punches and do your very best to rise above it, and I have to say that i'm currently in the middle of one of those situations so if the sound quality is perhaps a little subpar or if maybe you get a little blip of static right now i want you to uh, understand that that is because i am currently recording from columbia how are you troy i am not recording from columbia uh <laughs> but i'm great i'm great uh uh yeah i'm glad we got to we got, we got to do this because there was a, a second there where we were like oh shoot we aren't going to be able to put out an episode for a while because you are in columbia for a little bit longer than you anticipated oh you, you know i am and let me let me let the fans and listeners know that um the, the current situation is something that uh, took us a bit by surprise originally i was supposed to be returning home uh today I was supposed to be coming home, and we were going to be recording a side-splitting new episode, um, reviewing the 1988 iconic title, American Gothic. Unfortunately, but also in its own way, fortunately as well, that is not the case today, because um, uh, the, the fate will have it that upon receiving my COVID test that I need to take in order to be readmitted into my home country of the U.S. of A., I learned that I am, in fact, uh, positive for the COVID. Mm. I have the coronavirus, lo and behold, and I am not able to leave my hotel room for for 10 days. So uh, I'm here, trapped, sequestered in Colombia, in Cartagena, um, it is beautiful, but it is also third world country esque, um, and I have no idea really how to speak Spanish other than the basic "Hola, cómo estás, uh, uh, bien y tú," you know, all the basics. So uh, here I am with the COVID, uh, with nowhere to go, um, in my hotel room, slowly losing my mind. But what better way to get through this experience than recording an episode with you, Troy? Well. I am very, very sorry to hear that you have COVID. That you, you told me uh, yesterday, and I was like, "Damn, that's that is you know some not good stuff." But um, at least you know you are you're feeling well, right? You don't have any symptoms. Yeah, I'm. I'm pretty much asymptomatic. Okay. Um, the only things I've really had are like, uh, honestly, what I thought were the equivalent of. Uh, bad seasonal allergies, which I associated with being a different country. Um, I thought maybe I was just responding poorly to the climate uh, and to the extensive amount 
of plant life around me. It's beautiful, yeah. but it's everywhere. Well, good. Well, good. We, um, we hope that your COVID test uh, comes back negative sooner than later. We're glad that you're feeling fine. Uh, hopefully Thank it continues, you. you know, just, and because you were sequestered in a hotel room with nothing to do, Hey, we might have a, we might get on episode a day out. Who knows? <laughs> My God, I am planning on it. And yeah. you know what? For all we know, this might give us the best material we've had yet. The sound quality might be shit, but the entertainment factor is there. And um, I'm ready. I'm ready to get into this with you. So we are jumping into a title a little bit unexpected, but um, we picked something uh, to make up for the lack of American Gothic. We picked something in honor of the uh, next holiday mm -hmm. that's just around the corner. It's not next week and it's not the week after, but it's a coming. It's a coming. And it's Memorial Day. Memorial Day. Yes. And in honor of Memorial Day, what title do we pick, Troy? We hastily picked, because we just actually uh, agreed on it about three hours ago, uh, we picked Memorial Valley Massacre. Ah, uh, yes. Memorial Valley Massacre. Um, a classic in its own right and regard. Um, in, in, in more ways than I honestly anticipated or remembered this film is unlike many other films of okay the genre. so yes this, <laughs> I, I know i know that this is a title that is not very popular um so a lot of you a lot of listeners <laughs> might not have seen it so if you have not seen memorial valley massacre please stop what you're doing right this second and go locate it uh because it is a film that you need to see um, it needs to be seen to in order to be understood. I'll say that you ha you can't just listen to this episode without having seen the source material. No, it, and I don't even know when this. I know because we picked it so quickly. I didn't really do my typical you know background research. Okay, it came out in 1989. Apparently, I do remember. Yeah, and it had a few. It had a few even alternate titles before they somehow stumbled upon. Well, I mean, it makes sense. Memorial Valley Massacre, honestly, is a straightforward title. <laughs> well, one of the titles that it had that I, that I just found super just odd, it, it was one of the original titles or one of the titles attached. It was Son of Sleepaway Camp. Did you see that? I did see that. And yeah. it really, I mean, it has no association with Sleepaway Camp whatsoever. The only thing even remotely similar is that it's on a campground, not even like a summer camp, just a campground. It, so there really is nothing to do with it. Is it a campground though? It looks like they just put a building out in the middle of nowhere. And, yeah. Uh, in the middle of like a rural yeah, yeah. hillside. Yes. Um, yeah, and they were, they, really, I love the whole movie. They're acting like this is the most majestic looking place, uh, serene looking place in the, in the world. And it, it literally looks like a fucking back. Yeah. They, they say it's like preserved by God. Yes. At one point. Like it's untouched by man. And it really like around the trees, there is like, like, you know, bark chips and everything that you see. Like, in, like, in like a, a, like a town's park, you know, how they like, have yeah. trees have like those like wood chips around them. It looks very inhabited. Beer, but, beer, um, beer cans laying around. Yeah. Yeah. But, but it, this film lacks in budget and overall sense. It makes up for with chutzpah and heart. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Yeah. So again, yes. <laughs> before you before you listen to this, go watch the film and come back because you'll find this much more enjoyable. So yeah, we should, let's let's get into Memorial Valley Massacre. So yes, Memorial Valley Massacre, the title that was decided upon uh, after previous titles being, as you mentioned, Son of Sleepaway Camp and Valley of Death. 
this title was directed by one Robert Hughes. Uh, not a lot of titles under this guy's belt that we're going to really be familiar with. Though, if you are in our age bracket, uh, you might fancy the fact that he did direct, uh, I believe, 21 episodes of the Power Rangers series, as well as the TV series VR Troopers. Troy, I don't know if you remember either of those. I'm sure you know what Power Rangers are, but mm -hmm. seeing the film quality of this movie, that makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah. I've never seen an episode of Power Rangers, so but I'm assuming, hey, good on him yeah. for, for, for going from Memorial Valley Massacre to Power Rangers. I mean, he stuck with it. A lot of filmmakers just, you know, they're a one and done. This guy, at least he maintained a career. Um, this movie is a low-budget fair, and it does show in the overall production value, I will say, uh, though um, they do manage to pull off um, some pretty shots over the course of the film. There's some cranes, there's some dollies, but uh, as you did mention, the location does leave something to be desired. It is filmed almost entirely in a, um, a woodland mountainscape. Um, it does seem very much like something where a bunch of people got together and were like, filming in someone's backyard location uh but there are a lot of characters they got a lot of actors on this location um and this cast at one point does have about 20 revolving characters um it's very hard to keep track listeners please understand that there are a lot of characters whose names i genuinely do not know what they are still so uh we're going in kind of blind but this movie as i said it does have a lot of uh, a lot of humor to it unintentional but it is a fun watch yeah, it, yeah, it is a fun watch. It is a fun watch. Um, so the film basically opens with a, you know, some, some beautiful shots of uh, animals frolicking in the, you know, mountain terrain and a long caravan of RVs coming down the, the road. She, they, there's a whole line of them. And yeah. What we find out is that this is Memorial Valley Campground. This is its opening weekend. And so all of these people are very excited to come camping at Memorial Valley Campground. Um, however, they soon learn that the camp is not really necessarily ready to be open. Um, they, there's no running water. There is... Uh, just a all. recent death. There was a death of an employee, I believe was mentioned. Uh, a death of an employee just that morning. A dead dog is found in the water tank. <laughs> and, a lot of things that would normally, I think, individual situations that would shut down this kind of a, an, of a venture. I mean, just the dog in the well alone, tainting, literally, they say it taints the water supply. To me, I would say, well, that's problematic. We're going to have to, we're going to have to shut this down. But no, no. The owner of the uh, Memorial Park is very adamant that this this park will open, um, and he we enter what I take to be a very Jaws like situation. The owner, Alan, is very much the mayor from Jaws, mm -hmm. and instead of a seaside town, we are given we are giving Memorial Valley Park, yeah. which is far less effective as we stated earlier. Um, but it, it, to set it up, we're basically talking Jaws on land with a killer instead of a shark. 
Yeah. And he is, yeah, he, he is adamant that they are going to open because this is his new development project. He has huge plans for this plot of land, including, I don't know if you heard, but including condominiums, a shopping center. <laughs> and I just kept thinking this terrain does not suit condominiums or a shopping center, but hey. not whatsoever. I mean, well, first of all, all of these people are coming from nowhere, but I really think they spent the entire budget of the film on extras because yes. they do manage to get a significant amount of bodies on that well rural landscape. There is, but then like it looks like there's a whole like the opening of the film, it looks like there's just tons of campers coming down the road, which there is. But then when you get to this scene where the uh George, who I guess is serving as the park ranger, talks to the crowd, it's kind of dwindled a little bit. So uh, yeah, it's, I was wondering where everybody went. Well, they do. They do provide the explanation to really cut down on the the overall amount of people on set because mm -hmm. I don't think they could afford to feed everybody beyond one day. Uh, they do actually say within the dialogue that since the water is no lo longer running, there are no longer bathrooms, and so they will be providing uh, toilet paper. Uh, to everybody and they're going to have to shit in the woods and uh, and people do not seem to like that and they literally do like make a point of saying well for those of you who stuck around you're the real troopers um like they do yeah. acknowledge that fact but it does get down to what i would say is maybe like 20 campers whereas at one point it seemed like roughly 100 yeah and in the meantime the son of the owner of the camp or the developer of the camp david shows up uh, and he's all, you know, he's, he's such a bright eyed, you know, chipper. He's all motivated to, to work at the summer camp, but apparently, you know, they really don't want him there, but he, 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 he joins, he forces the, himself on he it, forces himself on it. And you know, he's, he's a nice character. I don't, I don't mind him. Um, he's a likable lead. He, 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 bright eyed and bushy tailed yeah. um, and well-intentioned. And he knows a lot about the 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 local terrain and the nature and the animals and everything that you know factors into it he seemed to actually care whereas his father uh does not and it doesn't it doesn't hurt that he looks bad shirtless right okay oh uh, uh, yeah he looks pretty good he looks he, good i meant yeah. i meant yeah he looks good sure that's what i meant okay so he shows up and then there is the scene where he is telling or george who is the the camp council the camp or the what the fuck is he? The ranger? I don't know what he is. Yeah, I really he's like don't. the overseer okay. of the camp. <laughs> Perfect. We'll call him the over. He is literally. I just had to laugh because I don't know. I find stuff like this funny. He is literally. There's a crowd of like 20 people in front of him. Right. It's not a huge crowd. It's about 20 people, and they're about five feet from him, and he is literally <laughs> talking at him through a megaphone. <laughs> yes. Because again, I think trying to convince <laughs> the viewers that there is, you know more people than they have at that point in time no it's 20 people and they're five feet in front of them and he's using exactly yeah and then this is when you get introduced to what i and i say this in, in the nicest way i'm not stereotyping when, when he tells the people that you know there's going to be no bathrooms t t temporarily what i thought was a lesbian <laughs> <laughs> says what do you mean temporarily Come to find out, it's not a lesbian. It is a uh, <laughs> fat child who is it's, very tall. It's apparently a teenage boy named Walter, who is <sighs> okay. He is a lesbian in a lot. Like he really does strike me as a lesbian. Now that you say it, 
Yes. Even down to his down to his attitude. Continue. Well, and his his, his, his he has his little uh, blue shorts on and his yellow, you know, a very lesbian outfit. I, I you know, I don't yes. know. I'm just joking. Yes. But uh, yeah, I did. I did not. I thought it was a lesbian. It's not. Um, so then it's established, obviously, that George doesn't want the son there. There's there's all this like banter back and forth between those two. It gets kind of old. But by the end of the movie, they do kind of form a little bit of a bond and get along a lot better. But most of the movie is them bickering about, oh, I don't want you here. Why are you here? And after this scene, we get this wonderful montage of, uh, it's goofy, like horn music, like really goofy comedy horn, horn, horns. And it's just a montage of people randomly just like setting up their um campsites so you get and like, failing and failing like there's yeah there's like a camp some of them cut down a tree to, to make to park their rv there some somebody drops all their garbage on the floor <sighs> it's just but this goofy horn music i kept thinking is this abbott and costello it's like rrr, 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 and yeah. these people are just doing the most ridiculous things i was like okay the, 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 the one, one thing to acknowledge about this film in general beginning to end is the score is grading it is like what sounds to me like an early midi file and it's always the wrong tone like it never is capturing the moment it's always like contrasting it Uh, so if they're trying to present something like i don't know serious the music comes across like kind of comedic the opening score like the music right off the bat it's like it's very pure and jovial. <laughs> like, there's nothing fearful about it whatsoever. So, like, yeah, the score is really off, and it this makes is, the movie like hard to hard to take in as an overall entity. Yeah, I agree. The score for this movie is the most probably one of the oddest score choices I've. I don't understand if they actually had somebody actually score this film, like sit down yeah. and score the film, or if they just used a bunch of like stock music they found and just strung it together. It uh, definitely reads a stock music. There's even points where it sounds like they cue in different scores, like different mm-hmm. pieces of score, like really sloppily. Like the audio in general is a mess. There's like, there's dialogue bits that just are not like leveled out whatsoever. And like, you'll hear like the background just completely go silent for a minute. Like very amateur mistakes that you'd expect to see in a movie uh, with, you know, even less experienced than the people making this. So it, 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 it does read very amateur in a lot of ways. <clears throat> well, yes, because after this lovely uh, montage of people failing at setting up their, their camping sites, we get a, we get the kind of the first glimpse of the killer. And it, <laughs> because George is in a cabin uh, <laughs> and he is, you know, the window screen falls off. So he, um, fixes the window screen and then leaves the cabin and shuts the door. And behind the door is our first glimpse of this killer and full face, full face, full face. There's no mystery, full face. And to me, it looked like a dirty Alanis Morissette. Uh, (laughs) That's literally looked like Alanis Morissette was out in the woods, like, and got dirty. And (sighs) if Alanis Morissette's like, chopper went down and she yeah. was like she had been living off the land for three months and she <laughs> this stumbled her. upon this campsite that would be Alanis Morissette dreaded hair a horrible wig isn't it ironic uh, very isn't it ironic 
uh, with one hand in her pocket and another hand on a butcher knife. Um, <laughs> but her hair is dreaded. The teeth are, are really like bad theatrical dentures. Yeah. Um, this character is wearing like a caveman costume that leaves <laughs> very little to the imagination. I was, um, I was wondering about this costume choice because uh, the, this person is not a caveman. Okay. <laughs> But he looks. He does look like somebody who's like stumbled out of Encino Man. Where did he like, get? And where did he get this outfit? Particularly be, because you you know you know there's an explanation of who it is. It's not a fucking caveman. Yes. It's not no. somebody from that you know prehistoric era that happened to fr- freeze and then come back. No, this is a real person that just happened to be kidnapped. So why the fuck yeah. is he dressed like a caveman? And like. If, if we're going to just like, tell the people like who this is like right off the bat, which is fine. Like I don't mind jumping around with this one because it is nonsensical. But this person, like they make it seem like this person has been missing for what I assume to be years. Yeah. But like he seems to be in what I have gathered living on the cusp of this this park. And like he's I, I don't understand, like it's not like it takes a lot for them to make contact with him. Like he's interacting with people, not interacting, no. he's killing them. Yes. But he's like right there, like but, all up in it. And um, yeah. they, but they make it seem like this person's been missing for a very yeah. long time. And they, and, and then they make it, they make it seem like, yeah, you're never gonna, you're never gonna find him. Um, you had literally in the film, like five inexperienced campers walk right into his cave find it easily stumble upon him but then yeah. they're like oh he's there's nobody been nobody's been able to track him nobody's been able to find him you're never going to find him i'm like uh all of you did a pretty good job 20 minutes ago walking into his cave i mean it's, yeah. just, it's so nonsense but we'll get to who it is in the backstory and so he's in this cabin and then this this pickup truck pulls up and there's a doberman pincher dog that's in the back and it's all riled up and apparently this caveman dude doesn't like dogs because he literally starts basically destroying the cabin like throwing things around and screaming and yeah. the dog obviously hears and goes into the cabin and it's very much hinted that he kills the dog i don't know what the film's fascination with dead dogs is but it's ten minutes in, and we already have two dead dogs. So take that. And it's as, never followed up on. Like, it's the never owners followed of the dog. No, you, never you would even see them again. No, you would think they'd be like, "Hey, where'd you know Charlie go? We haven't seen him." Nope, we don't know. We don't and, know. Whatever. And the dog, like, even so, the dog like jumps out. <laughs> yeah. The dog jumps out of the back of a pickup truck and like, like scuttles like ten feet into the the little hut where this man is like hiding, and he's immediately killed. Like it's there's nowhere else for the dog to really go. So -hmm. it's very obvious that where the dog went, um, and I just, I, already it makes no sense. Like this film starts off uh, with real loose rules, real loose. Oh yes. Because then, I mean, and you're, you are right because there are so many characters that are introduced in this film and most of them, you know, have, I mean, I, I will say that most of the characters that are focused on do have, kind of their own um, things to do in the film, their own time, their own yes. screen time. But it's just, it's just so like jarring to see go to the, the way that the scenes just cut from to different 
knew different people all the time because now yeah. after this, after we got introduced to the Doberman owner that we never see again, now we get introduced to what I'm assuming is this, this motorcycle. I wouldn't say a gang, but it's a group of motorcyclists, right? Yes. And this is the most hodgepodge, non-threatening, <laughs> diverse group <laughs> of motorcycle people I've ever seen in a movie. Um, yes. You got like kind of the head uh, motorcycle dude that's, you know, your, your traditional, what I would say, kind of, you know, he looks like a, yeah, he looks like he's a macho, you know, no holds bars, you know, he's drinking beer. And then you got the other male motorcycle guy that has a mullet and is wearing the tightest mom jeans I've ever seen, like yes. pu- pulled up to his stomach. Yes. And th- then there's just like a bunch of random, like young, I guess, pretty women that are there. Then there's an African-American couple that are totally underused. In fact, I, mean- I don't I don't even know whatever happens to the guy, uh, the, the male part of the couple. Um, he just kind of disappears in the film. Um, <laughs> of, of the African-American couple? Yes. I know what happens to him, but it's like people are dispatched. Oh. Such a- well, I knew what happened to, I know what happens to the woman, but like, okay, then apparently he All three like, of them. No, okay. We'll, we'll touch on that. Yeah, we're we'll, we'll be back around to it. Let me just say one, okay, first of all, an example of how hard it is to keep track of these characters. So I went to IMDb to make sure I was understanding it right. And one of the characters is named Leon and another one is named Eddie, two of the two leaders of the motorcycle group. To clarify, one is handsome, one looks very unattractive and is like a typical biker gang guy. Mm -hmm. So I went to IMDb to try to figure out like which was which. And literally for both of their IMDb's, they both have photos of only the overweight man. So like, (laughs) like on the IMDb, it does not even specify which actor is which. So I cannot decipher which is which, but it's very confusing. I mean, like and a lot of these actors, this is the only thing that they really ever did. God love them. You know, they're trying, but one thing I do want to say about, you know, you said that the, the motorcycle gang is diverse and overall within the course of the great scheme of things within this film, there are three African-American characters and a, not one of them dies before the hour mark of this mm-hmm. film. Mm-hmm. And B, two of the three, the, the female barely does anything, but the two guys both are kind of the only voices of reason within their own individual groups throughout the whole course of the movie. It's completely bre- breaking the trope of like, you know, first character to die, stereotypical black character. Both of these black male characters, one's name is like Deke, you know, the older guy who's like like the other overseer of the camp. Mm-hmm. He's like the source of wisdom and knowledge. And then the other one in the motorcycle group, he's the one who's like, guys, we really need to get the fuck out of here. This sounds like bad news. And everybody else is like, no, 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 no. You don't know what you're talking about. You're a pussy. So I was like, you know what? Good on them for being a 1980s slasher that totally broke the mold and broke the stereotype and had at least written, wrote these characters to be fleshed out, evolved, realistic, and not like a typical portrayal. You know what I mean? Yes, I do. I do. I totally understand. Um, although I, like I said, I feel like the the the, the African American couple, part of the motor- motorcycle gang, are very underdeveloped. Like they they aren't really given much to do. Particularly, like you said, the female. Her whole stick is to stand around and just make kind of sassy comments, um, yes. which to me is very stereotypical. But 
Absolutely. Um, yeah. it, it is, it is refreshing to see the diversity, particularly like in a motorcycle gang, because yeah. you don't typically associate African, not, you know, I'm not going, but you don't, you know, you, you don't. So it was interesting to see that the choices they made with the actors who portrayed these characters. And again, I'm all about diversity. The, the, um, the kind of the, the main guy, the main, uh, African-American guy, the one that seems like he's like the caretaker of the, of the, um, of the camp, he kind of reminded me of the character in um, Sleepaway Camp, the original Sleepaway Camp. Yeah, the I head, totally hear what you're saying. With the head that, cook, yeah. because he was very like he kind of knew he was the, one of the few characters with actual brains that could kind of string together what was what was going on. Uh, yes, and was like kind of no nonsense. What was his name? Willie, yeah. I think. I don't know. Anyway, so they are all complaining because apparently now, and this is 1989. Apparently, motorcycle gangs aren't popular anymore because they're like oh well we're the only motorcycle gangs here apparently the days of you know hundreds of you know motorcycles traveling is over i don't know weird and then they throw one of the males throws his knife at at a tree and this is when the (laughs) walter the lesbian comes and steals the knife he pulls the knife the presumed lesbian <laughs> no and there's nothing wrong with it. i just i literally thought this was a female character that was, i know i know and i'm like oh my god it's so and i was like oh god not only do they have african-american you know representation they have queer rep there's a there's a there's a, a, a nice little lesbian in here but it's not it's walter okay <laughs> <laughs> the fact that you like took, you're like wow that's really really progressive oh no it's just an overweight young man yeah. um but yes no that and let me tell you this <clears throat> this character of walter there if i were to rank a top five characters i detest most in a film ever i was thinking this. regardless of genre <laughs> regardless of genre he would place in the top three. Oh, he's miserable he is miserable and he's, uh, he's not even in the film honestly that much and he has like five lines but this kid is the most miserable uh, pause this grown man playing a yes, child you're right. <laughs> yes this is a 35 year old playing a 14 year old okay and, and not only is he detestable but his parents his, well, his mother his mother Rita, the one that comes out in the neon, you know, yeah. outfit. Anyway, we're going to have ourselves. So Walter, I'll call him, I'll call him Walter from now on. Yeah. Walter steals a knife because apparently he's a, he's a thief because he's a kleptomaniac. Yeah. Okay. And then it cuts. Okay. So then we cut to another scene of people that like come running out of the woods to get, um, to get George because there are snakes all over their food. <laughs> And you say, when you say snakes, I'm, you assume it's going to be like two or three. No. But then- <laughs> it is a barrel full of snakes. Like they literally, they must have rounded up every fucking snake they could find and literally just dumped a barrel of snakes on this picnic table. It's covered with snakes. <laughs> I'm assuming that the reason that this film even got made to begin with is because someone knew a snake wrangler and gathered. Okay, but they. The but they're like freaking out. So, oh my god, these are these are poisonous. They are garter snakes. I, they are clearly garter snakes. I grew up in the garters. I know what a garter snake. This is a garter snake. These are not like pythons. Okay, right. And they're acting like they, they're freaking out. They're like beating them. With, they're like beating them with a shovel. And there's a scene of the the George beating the picnic table with a shovel, and you can just tell it's like plastic. It's like rubber snakes bouncing up and down. And then they take a fire extinguisher. And fire extinguisher. I didn't know fire extinguishers killed snakes, but um, 
It is ridiculous. And then the people are like, we're leaving. This is dangerous. Well, again, regardless of what kind of snake it is, if they're trying to present them as foreboding snakes, I would feel that the worst decision George could make in that moment would be to start beating them with a shovel because there are literally there's so there's so many snakes that all I can imagine is now you're provoking them and you're causing them to spill over the edge of this picnic table. They're they're everywhere. And I would think that the snakes would just start attacking. You can't there's no way you could beat every one of these snakes <laughs> into into submission. Well that's what he got shovel. that's what he got the fire extinguisher for, Roger. Yeah, that, that makes complete sense. Okay. <laughs> and, and, and spraying him with the fire extinguisher. Okay, so this couple freaks out. And um, again, we get more of J- George and David bickering back and forth. I'm like, oh my God, just fuck already, please, because this is ridiculous. Yes, yes. And then now we cut to a, a new character, no, more characters. And this is, I don't know who these people are. I bless my heart. I tried to figure out, especially the girl. Um, but it's a group of young, I just put in my notes, I just called them teenagers. Although I do know that one's Rick. And then later we find out Joe or John. I don't know. Tom. Tom. I was, uh, whatever. And her name is Wendy. Oh, Wendy. You were, apparently you were paying more attention. Than well, because they're carving it into a tree. <laughs> oh. Okay. So I know one's name is Rick. You're right. And one is, I believe, Tom. And then the girl is, I thought it was Whitney, but I'm pretty sure it's Wendy. So I'm going to go with Wendy. Okay. And these characters are insufferable as well. Just let me say, um, I was not a fan. All three of them. And I don't know, like they're in, okay. So these, they're teenagers, right? These look like they're, these kids look like they're like 16 and they're, they're, they're camping by themselves. And like the two guys like want to fuck the girl. It's very obvious. And she is, definitely into it because there's a conversation that happens where they're like, Ooh, well, who, who do you like more me or Tom or John or whatever the hell his name is. And she's like, oh, well, you're both cute. I guess you're going to have to find out who I want to sleep with tonight. And I'm like, you are. A... Okay. First of all, uh, that, this is how three ways happen. It, so well, exactly. it's really that if just enjoy, who's to say you can't enjoy both. Well, and honestly, well, here is the thing: is honestly, I thought that John and Tom were, or Rick and John, or whatever, <laughs> way more into each other than they were with that girl. Uh, yeah, yeah. Because you Absolutely. have you have Rick, who literally, he of course his name is Rick, right? He has this like mullet that's in a ponytail, like Johnny Depp, like looking wannabe. Yes, uh, and they, yeah, him and him and him and the blonde boy seem really close. Although we'll get to that at the end too, but whatever. And then this is when the old couple shows up and this is Walter's parents. And you have the mother who is like literally dressed in this like electric blue and pink, like suit of some sort, jump jogging suit. I don't know. And and then the father and right away, like the teenagers are like really rude to them, like really rude. And I did not think that the two parents were, were being rude at all. They just wanted to know where their son was. And no, they're, they're like, completely likable. Yeah, and they're first. like, then they're like, you're fat and dumpy. The kids are like, get out of here, fat. You're fat and dumpy. Is he fat and dumpy like you? And um, the parents are like, oh, we, we, we've never. And they like walk off, and like the kids are just assholes, just assholes. Right, but and if they would have maybe presented these characters for 
who they actually are throughout the rest of the time you see Chuck and Rita, um, it would maybe make more sense why they were so treated so poorly because they Rita ends up being very unlikable. These characters, this family in general is everything I hate about upper class white people. Yeah. Um, they are just entitled pieces of shit. Yeah. Uh, the two of them, I mean, the father Chuck is obviously kind of a pussy and the wife walks all over him, but the wife and the kid yes. are well, detestable. Yes. And you learn that in the, na- in the, in the next scene, because the next scene is Walter Getting on his ATV, which there was a clear rule stated at the beginning of the film to all the campers that ATVs, any motorized vehicles, were prohibited. Because remember, this is such a pristine, this is such a pristine, untouched part of the world, and you know, ATVs will cause a d- imbalance in the. <laughs> The animals will, the will animals. not well to it. Yeah, I don't know. Whatever. But gay Walter... No, I'm saying gay Walter. But, but, <laughs> he is gay Walter. It's very obvious. He is. Oh, God. Because this next scene, when he gets sassy, this girl has some sass. I was like, girl, wow. You need to be on the next season of RuPaul's Drag Race. Where are you at? Because this is this is some sassy shit here. Yeah. Can't, yeah. Candy Muse, who? This is... This is I want to see Walter. Um <laughs> Because yeah, he's on his he's on his motorcycle, he's on getting on his ATV, and David comes up and it's like telling him he can't ride his a- ATV. And the sass, this bitch, oh my god, he's like, oh god, what is without he hesitation? He's like, without oh. hesitation, he no, doesn't he, respond to authority. He doesn't he doesn't respond respect anyone. He's like, I don't see a badge. Right. <laughs> <laughs> he does. He like he is such like a lispy sound to his voice yeah, when he yeah. sats him back. He does. It's so f- <laughs> he's like limp wristed and everything. He does. He does because David takes the keys from him and he's like, give him back. <laughs> <laughs> he gets all he gets all flustered and uppity. Like he, he is pissed. And then his mom shows up and she gets pissed. And she's the kind of mother that like her kid gets whatever he wants. And so she's all defensive of him, even though he's clearly breaking laws. Yeah, and he, the mother comes up and and he, she's like, "What's wrong, baby?" And he's like, "Smokey the bear took my keys." And the mother is like demanding that he get the keys back. And and uh, luckily they don't give them back to her. They're like, "No, you can get the keys when you check out. If you are caught riding the ATV, you will you are going to go to jail." And it's very blatant. <laughs> You're going to receive a hefty fine. A, a hefty <laughs> fine. A hefty yes. fine. Which, yes. whatever, jail, hefty, fine. Uh, the, the point is, don't ride the fucking ATV. But what does he do? Okay, we'll get there. And then you get a cute shot, a quick shot. I don't know how cute it is, but it's a quick shot of the killer. And we, we see him in his cave. Okay. And he is like, apparently, I don't, there's a fire going at all times, right? <laughs> it is an endless fire. So again, I'm trying to wonder how, how nobody knows that this cave exists. Well, apparently they Smoke do. billows from it. Yes. But he's like laying on the ground, like kissing passionately, like almost sexual. He's like kissing this mouse. Oh, this killer is so pure of heart. First, he saves a rabbit from a trap, and mm-hmm. he's not happy this trap has been set up in general. It's got, like, cans on it. So he frees the rabbit, and he lets the rabbit go to the wild. Then he enters his den where he finds this little mouse, and he's kissing this mouse and loving this mouse. And it makes me think, okay. He's making it. I love that he loves nature. I love that he loves nature. But what is, does he not, is he a vegetarian caveman? 
does he love all animals? Is he that pure of heart? Because like I would think that I at first I thought he set up that trap and purposely caught that rabbit. I was expecting him to eat the rabbit. Yeah, I did, I was too, but no, he doesn't. I think it's very you know, confusing. I, well, I think it's set up to make it feel like he yeah that he's you're supposed to like have sympathy for him. I don't know. I will say that he is like out of all of the killers we've seen thus far in any film we've reviewed this character absurdity aside is one of the most like sympathetic characters in general in the sense that like he really isn't doing anything wrong he's just living in these mountains these people all suck yes he's protect well he's protecting his home i mean essentially that's what it comes down to he's he's protecting his home and he's seeing that these people are very disrespectful to his to his living environment and that's how that's what he's reacting to and it almost seems like like with this we'll get there but it almost seems like a lot of times like he, he he doesn't actually me i don't know if you caught this or not i mean there's a couple times where it's very blatant that he definitely means to kill the people but a lot of his the kills are it seems like he doesn't necessarily mean to do it i don't know i just got that and i think at first i think at first once he gets riled up yes then enough, he's yeah 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 then it's uh, no holds bars yeah yeah because okay so after we get that we cut back to walter and this dopey music it's like it's like this it's just like this ridiculous like comedy dopey music that you would expect us to hear like you know in a i don't know just it's you know, like, a, like, like a like a like 1920s silent film yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah he's he horns and yes he's walking around and every time he's walking it's playing that and he <laughs> He actually goes into the um, office, the the ranger's office, and he this little bastard proceeds to steal his ATV key- keys back. He's such a fucker. He's he such a he fucker. Is. Not only does he steal the, the the ATV keys back, knowing he was just told that you would get a big fine, he also steals George's watch, which is has sentimental value to him, as we heard earlier in the film when he's talking about it's been in his family, blah blah blah. Um, yeah. So you're like this little bastard. And then it cuts to George visiting random people that are staying in a RV. That's like, I guess outside where everyone else is staying, but apparently it's like this military guy and his wife who she's another sight to behold. Her name's Pepper. (laughs) Okay. No, let's, let's clarify. It is a general who is, he's a piece of work in his own regard. Um, but his wife's name is Gloria, but she goes by Pepper, Pepper. because I believing her last name is Mintz. Mintz. I think her name is Gloria Mintz. So she goes by Pepper because she at one point literally re- re- like refers to herself as Peppermints. Peppermint. <laughs> let me tell you, I, if this movie gave me everything I wanted from it, Gloria would have ended up the final girl. Gloria, she is so underused. She's such a fucking doll. She's got a draw. She's a delight. And you barely get any of She any has of the, the big bleach blonde hair. Um, she's just pleasant. She's pleasant. She's southern. She's busty. She's got too much makeup on. Uh, and she's everything I hope for. But yeah, sadly, you only get about two or three scenes with peppermints. Pepper, that sounds like another drag queen. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of gaiety to this film, from the fat kid to Peppermint to <laughs> the killer, who, 
at this point we have seen him scaling and climbing rocks and mm-hmm. doing a lot of things. And you, I don't know if you noticed this, but you come to realize like the fur ensemble that he's wearing, that this man has crafted for himself from the hides of animals. Um, it is very high cut. Like you get butt cheek, <clears throat> you get like, and this, and let me tell you, if this killer would get some dental work and a barber, <laughs> he would be fine. Oh, He's yeah. a good looker. He ain't, I mean, he, the, the poor guy's teeth, I don't know what was wrong with this child when he went missing. That his teeth are so horribly misshapen and grotesque. But um, if it wasn't for those fucking teeth and the Alanis Morissette hair... <laughs> He'd be doing just fine for himself. He'd be in a gay bar doing backflips. Yeah. Because that's another thing is he's a gymnast. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, yeah. But anyways, I don't know what this scene has to do with anything. It's just like the, the George is coming there to talk to him about, oh, I saw your trash can was spilled outside. Do you, do you know who did it or what happened? And they're like, no. And okay, can I have some Jack Daniels? But it, so it really doesn't, this scene didn't go anywhere. Like this was, this could have been cut out. But yeah. bless their hearts for not cutting it out because we did get peppermints out of this yeah yeah it literally is just there to introduce more characters in what is already too large of a cast of characters to begin with yeah, yeah. and then we get walter riding his atv so walter has defied everybody and he is literally on this atv just riding high speed through the through the park Almost, run, almost running, running into cars, like not running into bushes. Um, like he is like the worst ATV rider I've ever seen. He like literally rides right through bushes, like doesn't try to avoid them. But in the meantime, he actually rides past the killer's cave, and obviously the killer is none too happy. The caveman killer and comes out. And there is a scene where like Walter is riding on his ATV while the killer is behind him, chasing him with this large stick. And it just goes back and forth. It's cutting back and forth between Walter on the ATV and then the killer running, chasing him with a stick. Somehow the killer gets ahead of him, right? And is able to pull up this, what is it? It's like a vine, like a rope vine. He uses the, the same trap that the rabbit was caught in okay that, it, that with the cans on it we don't know what that trap is really doing there or who put it there or if he put it there but it's there for this and this only and it, and yeah he uses it as like a trip wire yes so walter flies off the atv <laughs> in a glorious shot in which you see you see walter go like legs up backwards off the off the atv and he like a spread eagle <laughs> collapses backwards and it's very it's glorious it is it is i thought yeah. the same i'm like wow i wonder yeah they pull he hmm. yeah he lands yeah. he lands with a plump on the ground the atv like tips over flips over and the caveman or he's not a caveman the killer i'm just gonna call him the killer proceeds to start beating the shit out of the atv with a stick so I, because I, he's he doesn't like any the, the, the killer seems to be very put off by loud noises barking cars vehicles he gets very agitated very easily yeah 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 so he's beating the atv with the stick walter gets up 
and the killer like turns around and like sees him and like charges at him and walter cuts the cuts the killer's face with a knife which you never really see the the wound again after this scene but um he slices his cheek open with a knife and then the killer proceeds to jump on walter and like break his neck Yes. Well, I mean, first of all, you do see you, the cut on the killer's face does stay on his face. I guess I just thought so. I just never really paid attention to it because there's a lot of times you you don't like you don't see the killer close up. There's only yeah. a, a few scenes where they actually show like a close up of his face. Most of the time, it's like you're either seeing like him off in the distance or like when he's attacking people. It's usually you're 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 looking at the the back of him. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I was like, oh, I didn't because when he cuts his face, like it's a big old wound and there's like blood yeah. all over it and like and then it's like oh it's gone. anyway so walter is dead thank god thank god thank fucking god i was so happy he was the first to go i was crossing my fingers and this is an example of what i think when you mentioned um that the killer like unintentionally kills mm-hmm. um people i think in this case like i almost feel like he was like approaching walter more with a curiosity than anything. And then Walter like slashes the blade at him, which is the knife that he stole earlier. So he slashes that knife. Mm -hmm. um, And, and the killer uh, doesn't kill the caveman doesn't kill him until he's agitated until he's, you know, attacked. Um, And then yes, he, then he breaks the child's neck. Thank God, (laughs) because he is no longer part of the film. Um, And there's a relief to all viewers everywhere. Yes, yes, God. Thank God. But yeah, so Walter is dead. Then we get a scene of the campers that are at the Memorial Valley campground. They are at the party, which to me doesn't look like much of a party, but whatever. And it's 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 storming out, so they're all like shoved under this tent and like the um the caretaker guy is telling a story and he's basically it's an urban legend, the one we've all heard about the people parked at lover's lane and then you just get some dialogue about where we find out that you know the valley has been isolated for so long there's nobody it's nobody's it's like untouched earth nobody's been been on been on this area been in this area for for years and yeah i don't know it's yeah i will say i appreciate like the angle they're coming from i actually feel it's kind of like kind of modern and it's Hmm. it's not like any other film I can really think of. There's a few elements of this movie that surprised me, but they're buried under like layers of like, what the fuck. Mm -hmm. Um, But like, I do like the whole thing, uh, the whole concept of like this killer, you know, this character is a villain because he is sick of humans basically like intruding on this like natural preserved territory, though it may not actually be (laughs) Though the location they use may not be effective in concept, it yeah. is a good. It's a cool concept. I like what they're doing with this because they are giving you a villain that like you can sympathize with, and also kind of hits home. Especially, I think now if they if they were to remake this movie and use the right elements of it today, they could make something super relevant. They could make a film that I think uh, could actually touch on things that are more meaningful now than they even were in the 1980s but because this movie is so schlocky and absurd and the killer is 
like looks like something that you would get a Halloween costume, like a cheap <laughs> Halloween costume made out of felt. Um, you kind of lose that message because of the absurdity of all of it. But yeah, I appreciate the whole message that's like buried under there. There is, um, and and they're trying to kind of like give you that whole idea of within this party until in the midst of this sequence, there this rain sequence, it becomes like a rain dance where Wendy or Whitney or whatever her name is, I think it's Wendy, busts out of fucking nowhere <laughs> and starts like writhing in the rain and she's like it's cold but it's nice and her her nipples are like rock hard rock hard for three like three consecutive scenes after this as well they're just busting out i think someone had to be icing her nipples they had to because yeah they're just popping out they are but yeah you but to back what you said yeah you're right there is a there is an interesting theme in this movie that that deals with uh the idea of greed expansion capitalism however i don't know how intentional that was i don't know if they really were going that route with that in mind or they were just like oh we need to make a a memorial day themed slasher movie so hey let's do this because i mean there's other films like there's a there's the film from the 80s the eric's phantom of the mall eric's eric's revenge where it's very similar you have the killer killing because of capitalism and greed because the the company tore down his house burned out his house and built a mall and so he's killing to get revenge it's very similar so that is an interesting concept so you do have someone killing because of greed because of you know coming in and just what, what humans naturally do is come in and just destroy you know, natural environments to make condos and, you know, stores and campgrounds, like what the, what the developer wanted to do. So it is interesting. I just don't know how intentional it was. I don't think it was very intentional because it really never goes anywhere. Was intentional. They lost it. They lost it. Yeah. In the, in the stickiness of everything. And one other thing I do want to mention at this point in the review, because like, we are like, you know, I don't know, maybe 25 minutes into the movie at this point 30 minutes into the film um there's a character named cheryl who has been introduced at this point but she's so forgettable and so underutilized that it's um easy to forget that she is part of the film but she's also i guess kind of like the female lead the uh like opposite david Um, like i've never seen a movie that has a female like a major female character who does so little over the course of yeah, you you forget about her. I forgot about. I didn't even know her name. Honestly, I'm glad you brought it up. She is, yeah, because she is really set at one point to like be the final girl, and then it just dro- that just drops drops that real quick, and yeah. she becomes just background fodder. Yeah, you but, lose her in this yeah, faces because there's just so many characters. Yeah, and this is also the scene. Okay, so this is also the scene where you where we find out that George. Okay, because George is out in the rain tracking, and this is when George basically we find out from the caretaker guy, he's telling um, David that George had a child. Okay, and his child was kidnapped, and the kidnapper basically demanded ransom, and the the ransom pickup was supposed to be this location. Um, coincidentally, how coincidental, right? Uh, and right. something something happened where the police messed it up, um, and the kid was basically never returned or never found again. 
Uh, yeah. So the assumption was that he, the, the kidnappers killed him and buried him somewhere out in the desert. Now, right away, we are making the inference. I think we're smart enough to make the inference. Okay. So the, the, this, this killer is George's kid, right? Yeah. Yeah. The kid's even, and it's uh, George. First of all, George knows the caretaker Deke because Deke mentions that they were in the war together. So mm-hmm. they have like a relationship. And that's another thing this movie does is it actually gives characters like backstories, relationships, like several of the key characters, they actually like take time to get into their backstories. Like even David, like his relationship with his father and why he's at the campground and his knowledge of the location. Like there are some things it doesn't do wrong. And the character of George is one of the characters who has like a lot of motivation for why he's in this film and why, what his purpose is. You know, uh, I wish that all the characters had that, but George is one of the characters that you do get a lot of like the intention of why he exists and what his, driving forces throughout the storyline you know and this whole sequence they do do a good job of setting up why he's there why he operates the way he does why he's gruff why he's kind of untrusting of people and why he's a good tracker yeah and i just want to say i i was trying to my hardest to to hear what the whole story was that deke was telling i have to say that in the background in the scene it's raining and the rain sound drowns out the dialogue so I, I had a really hard time like understanding everything. So I got the basics. Uh, yeah. So once the girl with the hard nipples, the the, the two boys take her away <laughs> <laughs> with obvious intentions, of course. But then, but then she does not let them in the tent. No, and she's I'm mad not, at them for some reason. She's mad at them for pulling her away and making her quit being quit doing a striptease in front of all these her, older adults. <laughs> Her very ineffective dance number. Yeah, and I'm I'm like, okay, so these boys, it's like pouring rain and these boys are outside saying, let me in, let me in. I'm thinking, really? It's a tent. It's not that hard to get into. Right. You can't, you can't lock a tent door. <laughs> just unzip it's like it. she's bolted no, it. No, it's, it's like, uh, unzip it and go in. Good God. Cut a hole in it. Like, <laughs> But they are literally out there in the pouring rain just like, let me in let me in and she's like no and they're like okay so there's and this this girl can't act her way out of a paper bag (laughs) or a tent so this like everything that she does is very ineffective to begin with big to begin with including her dance number but she refuses she's adamant about letting them in but she finally finally gives in and lets them in and the first thing she says is you guys are wet It's like, it's like a deluge outside. It is a downpour. Yeah. <laughs> you were she so, was dancing in it. Yes, that's ridiculous. <laughs> and at the at the same time, now David is goes back to the tent with what's her name? Cheryl? Is that what you said? Cheryl. Yes. I'm gonna trust your. I'm gonna trust you. I never. Um, and they are like this tent looks huge, by the way. <laughs> It is. It's like a house. It, it is. From the outside, it's like a normal sized tent, and then you it's get kind of like a living room. <laughs> then you get inside. It's like yeah, it's the size of my apartment. There's like a, a there's like a bar, a mini bar. There's. I'm like okay, a chandelier. <laughs> but this is because she's remember she's a bitch to him at the beginning when they first meet. Yeah. Now she now she's into this because he's a good looking guy actually. Yeah. And so well, and she, they really push they push the idea that she's like. I think like, <laughs> you get very little with this character, Cheryl, but the few lines of dialogue that she has are very much like making it clear, like, I'm here because I like the wilderness and I'm trying to escape guys like you. And you don't get me because I'm a smart girl. But she also looks like a fucking like 
pinup model. Like they did a really bad job of casting a believable actress in this role. Yeah. They do shots and yeah. they're cold. So apparently the remedy of being cold, if you're cold in a tent, is to get undressed and, and roll up in towels. And wrap a towel around you. Literally, he's shirtless and he has a towel around him. And she, you know, there's this kind of, it's supposed to be, I guess, erotically shot of them undressing. Yes. And it's not. <laughs> um, but he, yeah, he, 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 he's in a towel. She's in a towel and they're sitting next to each other. And she's like, oh, are you warmer now? He's like, yeah, much warmer. But he's in a towel without a shirt on. I don't know. But all this leads to where we think it's going to lead because they fuck, right? Oh, absolutely. And like, not only that, but it's like, it's very obvious they're going to fuck, but they make it sound like they're like doing it to like, to survive, survive, like body heat. We have to use our body heat to keep ourselves warm in the middle of this cold rainstorm. And then like, they have a very intimate uh, uh, make out in sex scene. Mm -hmm. I didn't expect it. Yeah. And the killer is watching them. Yeah. Oh, he's into it. This movie's very vanilla, by the way. Like, let's just be clear be clear like this feels like this film for the most part aside from a few kill shots <clears throat> it has to be like a pg-13 but then every once in a while you'll have something that's like oh didn't anticipate that and this sex scene falls under that like it is steamy mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it is and you get you get um a lot of grinding and you get a, a, a pretty good uh silhouette through the 10 of them just him pounding away while, yeah. <laughs> while the killer's watching yeah, and that so they good for them. Okay, um, he got he got that puss. That's what he was after the first time he saw her. And then okay, so then this is cuts back to the girl. What did you, um, Wendy, Wendy, and the two boys, and her and, ever hard nipples because they're harder than ever. Yeah, and now she wants to like fuck them both. She's like, oh, let's oh, let's go, let's do this. And they're uh, cute. I get it. Yeah, but then they hear something outside, and they look. And it's a fucking bear. It's a real bear. <laughs> so this movie got had a real bear. I wonder. <laughs> well, like they like they're like, what is it? And they like look at this fucking like full like a full on black bear <laughs> enters the tent, and their reaction is like, wow, like exactly how I would have responded. Like it is, it is a fu- a big ass bear. I have no idea how the people making this movie procured a bear. I think they may have just lured one from the woods because I highly doubt they could have afforded, you know, a, a trainer or right. a person who wrangles bears. So I think they had to just plant a camera and maybe I don't know, put some peanut butter on something and just wait. <laughs> wait to see what happens because yes. it comes out of fucking nowhere yeah and it's a it's a real bear it's not yeah and it's so they it, it, but it leaves the tent they go look at it it's like wandering around and they're like oh they peek out and lo and behold walter's dead body's there mangled mangled so obviously they are going to blame the bear they say they say that walter was uh killed by a bear george does not want to call the police or tell anybody about it. In fact, he like rips the phone from the wall so that nobody can call the police. Um, but the very next scene is the police arriving. Yeah, so the police he's are, ripping the phone from the wall. Yeah, the ambulance like, served yeah. no purpose. Yeah, yeah, it was dumb because yeah, the ambulance is there, and then there's this like the the police officer has to give some stupid some explanation about oh the rain's really coming down. Your guys aren't going to be able to leave. 
You're going to be trapped. Yeah, yeah. If anyone's getting in here next time, it's going to be the uh, fucking Navy or something. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, yeah <laughs> That's yeah. like a joke about it. Yeah. Yeah. So then basically they think that uh, the bear was the one that killed Walter and we don't have to deal with Walter anymore and we don't have to deal with his parents anymore because they go. Thank God. Right. Basically, this is when you get down to like who decides they're all staying. So this is your like your core group of characters. So you get the bikers stay. Yep. yep. Tom, Ricky, and the girl stay. Yeah. Um, and of course, David and Cheryl stay. So you get you're down to your group of people. George is there. Would you say his name was Reek, Meek, Deke? Deke. 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 Let's be clear though that we are still there are still between I would uh, I would say safely say fifteen and twenty people yes. <laughs> still it's, there. That's ridiculous. The the yeah I, some of them I don't even. Okay, we're gonna within a biker group alone. There's six people, yeah. and I don't know who any of them are. No, well, yeah, like I said, we're gonna get there. Uh, so they whoever decides to stay now they're gonna go hunt the bear. So. Everyone basically gets a gun. <laughs> they give them to the kids. One kid says that they're giving out guns and ammo like candy, like which I think is a horrible idea, but okay. It is. It is. It, they're bear hunting. So they're like wandering through the woods with guns, like looking for this bear that supposedly killed Walter. Although, I mean, if you think about it, how do you know if you see a bear, how do you know that's the specific one that killed him? I don't know. The biker mom, or the biker and mom jeans, and the other one are lost. They get separated from the Leon team. and uh, Leon. Hold on, I I know the other but one. You, Give me... But you said they were the yeah. same person. Leon and Eddie. Well, Leon no, and... The, the characters' names are Leon and Eddie, but on IMDb, both characters' Pictures. descriptions have the same photo, like character photo. So I yeah. don't know which is which. I think Eddie is the leaner of the two, okay. and I think Leon is the one with like the mutton chops. Yeah. Okay. Well, anyways, they're wandering around. They're lost. Um, they don't. They're like, we're going back. I don't want to screw this. I'm tired. <laughs> yeah. And then you get a shot of the like the the, t- the two boys, John and whatever Tom and Ricky, are like literally like running full speed with the guns, pointing them at people, acting like they're at war. They're like even doing the 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 gun shot, machine gun sounds. Yeah. I'm like, okay, yeah. really, get those get the guns out of those kids' hands. They're gonna kill somebody. Um, yeah, but they don't. And but while this is happening, actually, Ricky does get caught in that rope trap, <laughs> and yes. he's like hung upside down for a bit, and that just really knows goes nowhere. Like I, it could have been something that was like suspenseful, like Friday the Thirteenth Part Two when they did the rope trip, the rope trap, you know, scene. This is just yeah. he gets stuck. They come and laugh and cut him down, and that's yeah. Everything that could be kind of like suspenseful or like a moment is more played off as a joke. Like I mean progressively throughout the film there's all these moments that could be something you know yeah i don't want to say scary because i don't know if this movie could possibly have something scary to it but you know somewhat suspenseful but instead everything is played off with an element of humor and it loses so much of the potential impact and this is like a perfect example this whole rope trick um because yeah like basically like you hear the sound of it happen and then it cuts to like all the characters walking over and he's just like dangling and they're like oh you let's cut you down yeah Um, Yeah. but let's also acknowledge like we're like 15 minutes in right now and the only character that has died up to this point was the fat lesbian (laughs) like we've like literally there's one death 50 minutes in the movie is an hour and a half long yeah and in this point is kind of when i was like losing a little bit of interest and not that it drags but 
it does it's just a lot of just characters walking around yeah it's um, that's, a lot even, of work. that's what my notes even says it just says lots of walking around okay until yeah. you get to the scene where the biker the two bikers um actually find the killer's cave so it's not that hard to find okay they, they actually find it they go in well he, the one biker finds the bloody knife and then they find the cave they go in the fire still a blazing you know fire still a blazing yeah. and they're like oh well somebody must live here and they start exploring and the one is like hey we should get out of here and M- M- mullet says no maybe he has a map stupid line like why would this guy in a cave have a map right right well let's also don't they find the remnants of a body they do and they are not terribly concerned about it at all in fact they find it like interesting they take the skull mullet takes the skull yeah Um, and let's also acknowledge if we're putting the pieces of this together for the for the listeners who may or may not be a bit confused because I was, and I'm kind of putting pieces together now as we're really talking through it. The body that they find from what I'm assuming is the guy who had taken Stephen hostage to begin with. Yeah. That's what I, what I'm assuming is that Stephen killed this guy Mm -hmm. and couldn't get out of this very apparently rural area or not even rural just there i mean he's in the middle of fucking nowhere in cave systems so he ended up just living in the mountains so this is what happened is the kid was able to kill off the guy who had kidnapped him but he was trapped in the mountains so thus he ended up living there yeah 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 that's the body that's kind of what i thought or he just died and he's yeah Yeah. Um, (laughs) he just had a heart attack while waiting yeah i don't know (laughs) um but okay so actually the mullet mom jean biker the mullet guy in, in mom jeans he actually takes the skull and like is like playing with it <laughs> he's like i'm gonna and the take skull this. is blatantly a fake skull yeah i'm gonna take this outside uh and then you get a clip you get like the other biker finds a newspaper article about the kidnapped kid um and then this is when the killer just out of nowhere like no i mean this is pretty quick like drops down into the cave and like axes the biker in the chest. Yes. Like yes. literally, it's so quick. Um, yes. So I did kind of the, like that. The, the killer moves very nimbly, by the way. Like he really is a, a gymnast. I mean, when I looked up the actor on IMDb to get a little idea of why he moves so nimbly, he um he even was like a stunt uh he did stunts in like the Mortal Kombat movies. Uh, he's like someone who's like most of his work is as a stunt performer. He was in, um, uh, God, using like one of those seventies movies, like breaking it or something like that. You know, he's okay. like a dancer and stunt mover, which explains why he moves so fluidly yeah. because the killer, the killer's like back flipping and he's like jumping down and very elegantly spinning. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 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 I've never seen a killer move like this before. Yeah. So, biker dude is dead with an axe in his yeah. chest and yes. this is like a it's 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 a kind of a i wanted to know where he got this axe because it's 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 like a shiny brand new axe and it's not like an axe that you think of chopping wood with right it's like a fireman's axe so i, was I like, have no idea they must just have him laying around out in the middle, <laughs> I don't know. In the middle of these mountain systems yeah. so and then the other biker mom jeans is what i'm gonna call him throw like is running away and like for as big as this guy is like as, as burly he is the biggest fucking pussy i've ever i mean he is just like running and oh 
don't hurt me dude you're a fucking biker like right. have you not Be seen, intimidating have you not seen like sons of anarchy you're supposed to be like you know, he's like flail running flailing and like don't hurt me do you want your skull back yeah he doesn't try to defend himself whatsoever no and then he like fall he like trips and falls and uh like throws the skull at the killer and then like the killer just happens to have a random like pit with spikes out in the middle of nowhere that he's able to push the mom jeans in and mom jeans falls on these spikes and is impaled and that's the end of him yeah 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 it's like out of nowhere he just looks back and all of a sudden he just sees that he's standing on the precipice of like uh, yeah, this okay. massive trap and he just falls back and he's impaled and did you know that like when he when he falls back this happened with the other kid too that ha- that dies here in, in a few minutes but like when these characters fall into this pit it's like this elaborate shot of like them falling and it looks like they're falling like 50 feet and then you see the pit and it's like four feet yes <laughs> yes yes uh, <laughs> anyway so the group of the group that's out there looking, they actually come across the cave. See, it's not that fucking hard to find. Right. Okay. So they find the cave and they find the dead body of the biker and they're like, oh my God, it's been a man all along because it's not a, not a bear or yeah, it wasn't the bear. They realize. And David attacks George for basically saying that he knows that it, that he knows that George knows that it was a man that was killing people. And he's like, and George is like, well, it's my son. It may be my son. That's why we can't hurt him. Um, Which I find an unacceptable answer because at this point, several people are dead because of this mountain child. Yes, yes. And at this point, like they're trying to get the body of the biker out. They, they make this stretcher. They happen to just find all the materials to make a stretcher. This is a very resourceful woods. They have axes. They have stretcher yes. materials. They have barrels of snakes. They have, I mean. <laughs> These people come prepared. Yes. Ricky, right? Rick, Ricky, the Johnny Depp lookalike. Yeah. He's running back to camp to tell everybody. He's, his, his, his mission is to tell everyone, hey, there's actually a killer loose. Yeah. But as he is running, he happens to run into the pit and he looks down and he sees the body of mom jeans down there. Yes. And he turns around to run and the killer is right there, stabs him in the stomach with the wooden spear and he flies backwards 50 feet into the four foot pit. And he also is impaled. He's also he's impaled on top of mom jeans. Yes. Um, and they're like, okay, so I guess. And let's also acknowledge that Ricky is also the character who had been uh, caught in the rope trap and like was upside down and made a cut loose and like sprained his ankle. He was like limping. Mm-hmm. And so then when they're like, okay, who's fast? Yeah. Just literally, this is the moment. George goes. Are you fast? And Ricky goes, you mean like running? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and George's like, yes, go run back and tell everybody. They pick the kid who with the, the sprained ankle. Yeah. So he is miraculously healed and, and gallivanting, rushing through the woods, only to be the next one dispatched and killed. Yeah. So the group is carrying the body back to the camp. And at this time, the killer at the same time has gotten into the office uh, the, the ranger office and it basically destroys it he does he's like thrown he d- destroys the radio he smashes the radio he smashes the windows he does everything and then he has actually the the smarts to go do the same to the jeep uh he like opens the hood of this jeep and like is ripping wires out and like rips the radio out of the jeep for being a mountain child who was like a sh- left in the mountains 
to defend for himself and has mangled teeth and can't speak. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. He, he can't seem to actually communicate like with you know language. Uh, he sure knows how to destroy a vehicle. Because he, he destroys all of the vehicles. Yeah. And there yeah. are multiple vehicles. Like everyone has come up to this campsite with a truck. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. He's like I said, I want to know where he learned some of the stuff. Like how does he how does he even know what a radio is or that a Jeep would have a radio? Uh, and yeah. And there's like a, a radio system in the one Jeep. Yeah, like you're saying, and he cut the cord to it. Like, mm-hmm. how does he even know to do that? Mm-hmm. That's what I was wondering. And then as they're carrying the bodies back, the group finds the, the bodies in the pit and they have such non-reactions. It's, it's just hilarious. Like the girl, Cheryl, her, her reaction is, oh God, this is terrible. <laughs> I mean, literally, that's how, she's lackluster. that's how she says it. She's like, oh God. <laughs> I'm like, you. Yeah. And then they get back to, um, they get back to the group and tell everyone that, you know, the, the two bikers are dead. And you get a bunch of like fake crying, like zoomed in on like the fake crying of like the biker chicks, like the 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 African American biker chick. You get a zoom in of her, and you can, she's you know she's trying to fake cry, and yeah, she's like covering her face and like literally turning away from the camera because yeah. she's so uncomfortable <laughs> yeah. crying. Um, yeah. and like all the girlfriends are like, you know, losing their shit over it, as you do. Yeah, uh, and at this point, um, Tom, the blonde. Blonde Tom, the, the part of the teenage trio, he runs into raspy voice. That's what I'm going to call him. The, the what's his name, Colonel Mintz, or what? Is, is it is a colonel or general? General, he's, we'll just, he's somewhere up within the hierarchy of the military. So peppermint and General Mintz are. Colonel Mintz. He sounds like someone from the Candyland set. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, he sees Tom sees the killer actually messing with like their camper. He's like opening he opened like the electrical box of their camper and it's like doing something and the killer sees him and like this is when the killer is like just to me like lost his shit and just like i'm just gonna kill everybody because there was really no reason to kill um um, poor tom but he does he stabs him in the neck with a knife and that's the end of tom cute little very very elegantly by the way he like spins around him yeah (laughs) stabs him (laughs) yes yeah yeah and so then you get inside the camper, uh, Pepper and General are, you know, <laughs> getting ready to have their dinner. And, okay, so basically what happens is she lights a match to light the stove for dinner. And he, she's like, do you smell gas? And then all of a sudden the whole camper blows up. Yeah, but uh, again, in one of those moments where like, this could be a, you know, treated like a horror movie it's and not. you could be killing characters. The general is like also going to light a cigarette mm-hmm. and he like lights a cigarette and he has the match in front of the cigarette and peppermints goes, do y'all smell gas? <laughs> and he cut to a shot of the general who like looks at the match and like very comedically, his eyebrows go up and he's like, his eyes grow big. He's like, Oh, and then all of a sudden it blows up. It just see an explosion. Like they they don't treat anything seriously, so it's hard to like look at this movie as like you know a horror movie. You can't yeah. like dissect this as something that's meant to be scary because every time something could be scary, there's something like slapsticky to go along with it. Yeah, but you know, I mean, he he did request his steak well done, so he kind of deserved to be blown up. I think absolutely. Um, so 
And then we get Emily. Apparently, that's one of the girls' names. She's she's wandered off to the wood into the woods because everyone's like, "Where's Emily?" And then there's just shots of like this girl that I guess <laughs> I'm assuming she went to go find her boy, I, her well, boyfriend, who just, was the lead biker. They, but they were. She was just told that he was killed. So I don't know. Yeah, um, but she's running. I mean, to me, it seems like she's <laughs> she's running with like very like limp arms. So I'm thinking that she's just kind of like. Oh no, I've lost my mind. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it has no explanation. It really has no reasoning behind it. Yeah, and this is the this is the scene where it's kind of fun, it's kind of interestingly done. It's where the you, you cut back to um, the girl, the teen girl with the hard nipples, and yeah. she's in the tent, and like you get this scene of like this hand like pull, like tearing the tent and coming through. And yeah. she has a gun, of course, because they gave everyone a gun. And before even knowing what it is or who it is, she she shoots. Um, and it's Tom. Yeah. Who I don't know how he managed to get from get away from the explosion of the RV mm-hmm. back to the tent with a knife sticking out of like it's like in his like upper chest. It's like it where I would assume his heart would be. Um, but somehow he managed to get back to the tent. Yeah, it's yeah. So he's dead, and then now the killer like emerges behind her, and this is kind of an awkward scene because the killer is like literally like feeling her up, like touched, like rubbing his hands all over her body and her tits, and like she's like, "Oh, you like that? Just be gentle. Just be gentle." Yeah, she's like allowing it. She's yeah. she's basically like, "Oh, maybe if I let him rape me, he won't kill me." Like that's like the reasoning we have here. Mm-hmm. Very weird. But he does. He does kill her. He I, he like grabs her in a bear hug and like squeezes her and like breaks her back <laughs> like throws I don't know how her, yeah throws <laughs> her on the ground and like yeah he broke her back and she's dead i don't I, yeah it's very odd very odd uh so now she's dead so george and david find her body and then you get cut to emily still wandering around in the woods for some reason just running half-heartedly through the woods it's night they are talking about they got to stick together george gets drunk and he, but he recovers quite quickly from being drunk. Yes, because he yes. he's so drunk he like passes out. Uh, okay, so now we cut back to Emily, and she has somehow <laughs> circled back around. <laughs> like all she did was run away and come back. Like, yes. It's not like she found. She didn't discover anything. She didn't stumble upon anything. Did she? Like there was no purpose to her leaving. No, she did. There was no purpose. But she actually is in view of the the cabin or the the campsite with all the people there and literally the killer his hand comes down from a tree and he lifts her up just by her hair <laughs> he he pulls this woman into a tree by her hair it's so like she, you see the hand come down and like she like goes all the way up yes <laughs> pulled all the way into the foliage of the tree and i'm like first of all how does this man have that kind of strength a to crack the back of a woman to the point of killing her but also now to lift a woman by her Mm -hmm. skull into into like she's lifted all the way out of all the way like feet (laughs) and he did it with one hand what a hand this is like you know a hundred and some pound woman, and he was able to. <laughs> I mean, it's and kind then, of cool, but I want to know where. Cool, but it's implausible. But, where, but okay, so he gets her in a tree. Where is he putting her? 
I don't fucking know. Is that the last of our worries with this movie? <laughs> At this point in the game, for, and people, listen, this point in the movie, this is an hour and a half long movie. We are now at about an hour and 20 minutes into yeah. it. People are dropping like flies. These deaths are not happening with like 10, 10 minute increments between them. It's literally like every two minutes, someone gets dispatched yeah. and they get dispatched quickly. Well, because like, this woman like just gets sucked up into the trees and it's on to the next scene. It's like, on to the next scene, which is, which is the other, the Deke, the caretaker. You said his name's Deke, right? He is yeah. now, now. He goes to get gas for the generator, uh, and because he is reasonable. Yes, and but as he's getting gas, Emily's body drops down from the tree behind him, and he, of course, reacts and he drops the gas can, and it like leaks, spills gas all under his feet, and the killer comes out with a torch. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I don't. Why. <laughs> How did he? How did he know? Uh, whatever. He has a torch now. And yeah. he basically sets this poor old man on fire. <laughs> Which I, I have to acknowledge, it took literally an hour and 20 minutes before they managed to kill off a, a character of color. Mm-hmm. And I do I salute them for that because plenty of people have died by this point. And um, rare. This is a rare scenario. So good on this movie for uh, breaking a stereotype. But when they do finally kill black character, it is in the most violent way possible because literally it cuts to the group like sitting there and they look over and Deke comes running around the corner on fire, <laughs> blazing. Yeah. Like he is like a human torch and they all just watch as he runs from one side of, like <laughs> you see him run. There's the crowd, and he runs out of sight, and he just—they just don't do anything. <laughs> they never—I I have that—they never even try. They don't get up. They're not even bothered to get up. They're, they're, they like they're, watch him run away. They're just sitting there, turn away, <laughs> and they I don't even address it. I think the one girl, she's like, "Oh, that's terrible." <laughs> but they don't—they don't try to put the fire out. He, you don't even. And the thing is, you don't even see Deke like fall to the ground and die, do you? You just see him like run down the curve of the hill, and like who knows. For all they know, he could still be run into this day. Like, he's poor man is fully ablaze. <laughs> At least try to, like, douse the fire with something or put a blanket over him and beat him, you know, put him out. But they, they literally just watch him and then they just turn and they go about their business. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah, I do think she's like, that's terrible. Um, yeah, and then, then all of a sudden, not only does this killer, this killer also knows how to drive a bulldozer, okay? <laughs> <laughs> Where did this bulldozer come from? Was I don't. Know. <laughs> was it there before? No, it was not. <laughs> but he he's driving a he drives a bulldozer uh, as poor Zeke is seen in the background running on fire down the down the street. A bulldozer is coming down, and he literally crashes the bulldozer into the cabin. Um, and he George is, screams at the top of his lungs, "No!" And this is when everyone is like. Uh, uh, well, George is mir- miraculously not drunk anymore. Um, right. Okay, so this is confusing. So after the killer drives the bulldozer through the cabin, through the you know office cabin, yeah. Yeah. he takes it and proceeds to like run a run it into a truck. Well, here's what I, I take away from this. I think he actually like I, is he in the bulldozer? I don't think he's. I think basically he. First of all, the bulldozer 
I think is there because remember there's a construction crew there the day before where they had said they're going to come back and get their equipment the next day. Okay. Yeah. Remember that in the beginning. So that's why the bulldozer's there. So that makes sense. So we have addressed the, the mystery bulldozer. I think the I think the bulldozer like I think that he turned it on and it's just going because the bulldozer just destroys the house and just keeps or the cabin or whatever it is it goes through the building and then it just keeps going nonstop and so the characters who are like in the way of it they're hiding behind a truck three characters the African American couple and a random woman part of the motorcycle group the rest of the motorcyclists this is just the rest of the motorcyclists in general they're hiding behind this truck and the bulldozer is just not stopping the bulldozer is just plowing forward and so they like run down the the slope of the hill and they like look up and the bulldozer just bulldozes the truck (laughs) down the hill and it crushes all All three all three of them (laughs) all three are killed and you get a shot of yeah their bodies laying under the under the truck so we've gone from like 12 people to three in a matter of like, I'd say seven minutes. Yes. Yes. Maximum. Quickly. That was a, that was a real creative way to dispatch like a bunch of people at once. So they yes. probably knew, okay, we're getting down. We have to get rid of these people. So let's just, yeah, I think them. they were running down on uh, days on set. Yeah. And so they're just like, we're just going to kill everybody. Yeah. Um, so George demands that David and Cheryl leave. They don't want to leave at first, but he's like, no, I got to take care of this. So they actually do leave. Uh, and he like the killer is like luring him like into the woods, like trying to get him to follow him. And George does, uh, it's morning now. So it's not light out, but the, the path that this killer is luring George is like set with booby traps. Like there's, falling rocks and falling trees and just all these booby traps that this that this killer set but as he corners the killer like in this like gully area it seems like he recognizes that it's his dad right did you get that i did well i did i think that the like you know he gets kind of trapped in the um steven which you know we end up realizing it's his son steven but yeah steven ends up being trapped in like um kind of like a like a ravine area and I, I thought to myself like okay listen you've been living in these mountains <coughs> for apparently years mm-hmm. how do you get trapped within this area whereas this man who's following you has no real idea of this this terrain i'm assuming but whatever but yeah so he, he turns and looks at him and there's finally a moment where it like clicks that it's his father because he takes out the watch mm-hmm the watch that he he uh, grabbed earlier in the film when he killed the, the fat lesbian child because uh, he had stolen it from the desk. Yes. So that watch is, he, I think, connects that that's his father's, correct? Yes, yes. And so there's this like moment of like recognition and you think, okay, this is sweet. They're going to reunite. But nope. A log, <laughs> a log <laughs> with spikes in it flies out of nowhere <laughs> and kills George. Pales right there. This log is so big. Mm-hmm. This log is so big. I have no idea how George managed to not see it. Even if it was maybe like suspended above as a booby trap, there's no possible way that this could have gone without seeing it. It has spikes in it. It's genuinely like a mass. It's a tree. It's yeah. like a full tree that's suspended. And when he hits this rope, the log swings down and the spikes impale him through the gut and George is killed. 
and Stephen seems genuinely distraught over it. He does for um, a bit. Yeah, he yeah, does for yeah. a bit. Um, yeah, because he finally realized that this is his father. Yeah. And then you get David returning to ID George's body, and David is like, okay, yeah, fuck this. The park's closed. We, we lost. <laughs> the park's closed, everyone. Go home. And you get an image of the killer up on this silhouette of the killer up on this hill watching as the credits begin to roll. Like, that is the end of the movie. That is the end like, of the movie. That literally, like, they're, you know, up to this whole point, David really seems like he's been, like, kind of, like, the male lead. And, like, you you know, you we had said, um, uh, I can't even remember her name, Cheryl. Cheryl, I really thought she was going to be, you know, his counterpart, the female lead. And when it comes to, like, the climax of the film, they are completely irrelevant mm-hmm. these characters are just pushed aside george has his character's closure but those two characters serve zero purpose to the ending of the film and they have no moments with the killer there is no reason to really want them to survive cheryl is a paper thin character who really serves zero purpose to the film mm-hmm. and um has n- no moment of anything redeeming she has nothing to do in this like her there is not one moment in this film that is like her moment um it's it's all her scenes are with another person and she's often just very much in the background so i she's like talking wallpaper yeah she's honestly like talking wallpaper she'll have occasional lines reactions i feel like they just threw her reactions to give her purpose but she never does anything she's never resourceful she never defends herself she never has to she never has to you know, make a quick decision. She just serves zero purpose. It's so unsatisfying. The character really that survived this movie. It's so like big, yeah. Because da- because David, David is an is an interesting character, and there's like the interesting um, dynamic between him and his father, who is like this like tyrannical like capitalist that wants to take over. You know, this pristine park that's never brought up again. Like it's yeah. dropped. It's just that's. It's a plot point that's just, you never see the dad again. Nothing ever comes of it. There's no, you know, I I was half expecting maybe the dad to show up at the end. There'd be some sort of like confrontation where the dad is like, well, we're still keeping this place open and there'd be, but no, nothing. It's just, there's these two characters. You follow them through the film and they end up being pointless. Really? I mean, this, think about it. This, think about it. This would have been virtually the same film without the David or Cheryl character. Absolutely. Because George's character is the one that really serves as the through story. If anything, like David is kind of like the eyes of the viewer, almost like he comes in, you follow him into the storyline and he obviously has the, he's the protagonist because his thoughts and his beliefs and his reason for being there are good versus his father's, which are bad. Like it's the most basic concepts. But um at the end of the day, he really serves no purpose to the buildup or finale or what happens other than saying that the park is closed. That's the one thing he has is he says that on behalf of the company, you know, because his father owns the company, this park is closed, they're shutting it down. Yeah. Uh, and that's the only real bit of closure you have for that character. But yeah, Cheryl is just the least effective character I can really think of in a slasher movie that I have seen to date. It's such a bummer because you always look for a strong final girl or at least a strong female character. And this movie does not deliver that whatsoever. No, no, not at all. No. That, it, was, <clears throat> no. it, was, it was a pointless character. Uh, Absolutely. But that, yeah, but that is, I mean, it's Memorial Valley Massacre. It is a, yeah. it's definitely um, a different 
I don't even want to say different. It's 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 a film. It it's, it's a slasher film. It's, it's a slasher film. You can, I, I, yeah. I feel like I was trying to like compare it to like you know a lot of the '80s golden age of slashers, and it's definitely not on level with them, and it's not memorable. No. Uh, no. I don't think there's much memorable about it at all. Uh, no. I think it's pretty damn forgettable. Uh, yep. It's pretty silly. The the killer's get up is silly. It doesn't make any. It doesn't make a lick of sense. They obviously, there's a few things to take away from this in general with the killer and overall. And first of all, one thing I want to say that whole final sequence with George, like the final big moment, is literally everything happens in the last five minutes of the movie. It is so little time spent with that final climax. It's mm-hmm. so unsatisfying. But <clears throat> with the killer and the execution, with how they present him, it really shows like a lack of understanding and knowledge in how to present us a scary movie between how you light it how you present it how you build suspense there's no understanding of any of that the first time you see the killer you see him clear as day bright lighting and you never are given any elements of mystery or suspense behind who it is and maybe they're trying to do something unique and creative with it but it in turn just makes this movie not scary. And when you have a slasher film or a horror movie that's not scary, what do you have? Yes, there are literally <clears throat> zero, zero suspenseful scenes in this film. The score is the most out-of-place score I've ever heard in any film, period. It just does not match the film at all. Um, and yeah, I mean, there, there's too many characters. You don't really care about any of the characters, honestly. Uh, in fact you dislike a lot of them Um, and you you could have literally cut the cast in half and just developed you know uh, developed characterization for a smaller amount of characters than trying to just jam a bunch of characters into a film just for fodder and body count which in fact this film doesn't even have that high of a body count considering how many characters are in it I just I think it's generally just it's it's I don't want to say it's a you know, I mean, I would say, you know, obviously we told people to watch it at the beginning of this podcast, but I think it's a film that you don't revisit because you necessarily enjoy it. Um, I think you might revisit it for its like the mockability. Yes, <laughs> that's what I was saying. The, the absurdity of it to be to, to put it on with a bunch of friends and be like, hey, let's watch this while we drink some shots yeah. of tequila because it's ridiculous because yeah. it really is ridiculous. Yeah, this movie it would make like an amazing mystery science, like <laughs> mystery science theater kind of um, uh, a situation where you hear people like tear it apart, you know, or, or something where you sit down with your friends and you drink and you just mock it yeah. from beginning to end because it's it really is it doesn't have any real redeeming elements like there's there's not a single death that stands out as being really well executed like they're all things we've seen before and we've seen them done better there's no characters that i think are like entirely memorable for any positive reason um the the gore effects are not anything that uh you know stand out uh, no, it's, it's just it's at the end of the day it just really is kind of an, it's kind of an example of like what not to do with a horror movie yeah, <laughs> from beginning to end it came out so late in the 80s too i mean at this point in 89 the slasher craze was pretty tired people were over it um and, and this was the this was yeah this was one of the last slasher films released of the, of the 80s and it's, yeah. it's it's sad because it's 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 not good and yeah. 
I, I, I don't know. I mean, that's, that's, that's all we can say about it. I, I did. I, I mean, I enjoyed watching it just because of the, I got a kick out of it. It's, it's just so absurd. Um, so I don't think like I wasted, I don't feel like, oh, I wasted two hours. I don't, or wasted an hour and a half because I got, I got entertainment out of it. Would I watch it again? No, no, not unless someone asked me to specifically show them a bad movie to make fun of. Yeah. But, and then I could be like, okay, well then let me throw this into the ring because you guys aren't going to be able to compete. But yeah, it's honestly, it's one of the least effective slashers I've seen, uh, overall. Mm -hmm. Um, but I appreciate it existing for the sake of tearing it apart. Um, because that was entertaining and I, you know, who do I love to judge a movie with better than you, Troy? You're always my favorite to sit down with and, uh, just pick it apart like two vultures over prey i don't think we were overly harsh to it i mean it's we 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 found you know some the redeeming factors in this attempt at being a scary movie yeah yeah Yeah, so that's memorial valley massacre that's our first of roger's quarantined (laughs) (laughs) the quarantine editions yeah this is uh, Um, this will be the quarantine edition yeah. And so with that being said, it's really hard to say what the next one's going to be. We always like to, you know, pre, um, pre-establish what our next film will be for the next episode, you know, but with this, with all these things being said, I'm here for what could very well be another 10 days. Um, and unfortunately here in Columbia, I can't access all the movies I would like to be able to watch. I could not access American Gothic. I'm so sad because i'm so excited to discuss that title with you um but we're gonna we're gonna say the next one's gonna be a surprise we're gonna leave it open-ended and who knows troy who knows what the next episode well i will think be. i think we can i think we may be able to do american gothic um oh so i will i will talk to you about that because you know we have zoom i have zoom we we can like we can watch it together you know even though so, <gasps> oh my God. zoom so yeah i think we can watch it i'm i'm so let's let's say that we're probably going to do um american gothic next wow Uh, well you just tickled my pickle but i'm (laughs) as you do but i'm glad yeah i am glad that we got to do this film um even though it's a little early for memorial day but hey it's done and over with so please (laughs) please expect us to do american gothic next okay i think we can make that work even if like i said there's ways to make it work so uh yeah so yeah that was fun that was fun. That was fun. That was surprisingly fun and funny. You know, sometimes we need something a little light and this movie may not be scary, but it certainly is light. Uh, and if you like watching a killer who can do an arabesque and a high kick, well, this is the one for you. All while wearing a little, you know, loincloth, this is for you. Yeah. Yeah. It's a tight little body on that killer. And some bad teeth. Some bad well, Troy, I got I to gotta get back to my bed. You know me, the, the COVID's kicking in. And yeah. I'm feeling weary. Well, I hope. But, uh, <laughs> well, I I'm hope about to feel to better. Swoon. <laughs> okay. But yeah, so guys, let us know what you thought about this episode. Again, we 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 deeply apologize for any audio issues. I I know there are going to be audio issues. It's not going to sound as good as our last couple episodes as we were just getting into our our um. I thought our phase of our audio sounding a lot better because we got we both yeah. got new mics. We were using a different program to record. Unfortunately, like we said, Roger's in Columbia, um, so it's not going to sound as good. However, I did not, and I don't think Roger did either, want to go, you know, two weeks without putting an episode out. So Yeah, yeah. This is all for the fans. It is. It's all for you. So we, we do have, everything for you. Yes, we will have more. So again, we do everything for you. So we're asking that you do one little thing and go on to Apple Podcasts, 
or any of your podcast app and just give us a little five-star rating. It's as simple as that. Simple yeah. as that. It's the least you could do for me while I suffer right? through right. COVID. Exactly. I have it. I've got the COVID. What more can I do? I give you my blood. I give you my sweat. I give you my tears. Thank you. All you can do is give me a review. Right, right. Yes. Okay, so until next episode where I really think we're going to do American Gothic. I, I can't fucking wait. You, oh guys got a, you guys got a little bonus episode in between. Bonus episode for yeah. the holiday. Well, I, I feel like we're rambling now, but I just feel like I feel like this is going to be, although having COVID sucks, being stuck in Columbia sucks, I really feel like this is going to be a good two weeks for the podcast because we will be able to get a lot of episodes at least recorded um, for like, you know, for the future. Absolutely. You guys are about to get a lot of fresh material. It may not sound the best, but you know what? Who needs quality audio when you got two sassy gays dishing to you? Right, right. Yeah. All right, Roger. Now, on that you... note, Troy, I'm going to bid you adieu. Yes, you have a wonderful <laughs> night. I'm sick. Yeah. <laughs> well, get better to watch American Gothic, okay? All right, I will. And to our listeners, thank you for sticking with us. And uh, I'll be talking to you when I get back in the States, maybe beforehand. Yes. All Good righty. Good night, everyone. Good night from Columbia. Good night.